Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host attorney Rodney Dowell here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their practice. We're glad you can listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, Director of the Massachusetts Law Office Management Program, offering free consultations to Massachusetts attorneys to improve their business practices. For more information on LOMAP services, visit our website at www.masslomap.org. And if you are a Massachusetts attorney, sign up for our free half-day marketing conference on May 26 with five hours of CLE, accessible in person or via webinar. For more information or to RSVP, visit our homepage and click on the link for LOMAP Super Marketing Conference. I would like to take this time to thank our sponsors, EnterYourHours.com, an online legal billing software solution, Firm Manager from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions, at MyFirmManager.com backslash LTN, and SunTrust, offering private wealth management solutions at SunTrust.com backslash law. Today, uh... The topic is a very interesting topic and one that comes up often when I visit attorneys who I find often uh, have case projects, marketing efforts, or simple administrative uh, matters that they never get done or that they put off uh, doing in a timely fashion. In most cases, the inability to get these projects done uh cause stress, uh, but they don't cause necessarily any long-term damage to the attorney's uh, practice. But in severe cases, the impact of the failure to complete these projects can lead to malpractice claims, client complaints, or simply a failure to achieve goals. I'm often called in to uh, talk to these attorneys, but uh, I was really pleased recently when I met and talked to our guest, Dr. David Nell, a clinical neuropsychologist on his work with professionals with ADHD and professionals who simply want to get better at getting things done. Dr. Nell, thank you for joining us today. Roddy, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I'm really excited about this, and I have to say, when I uh, s- heard you speak recently, I was just so impressed with uh, all the many uh, points that you were making. Uh, but today, I, I will try to, instead of covering everything that you uh, were speaking about when I heard you talk, I'd just like to ask you a few questions that I hope will be helpful to our listeners. Uh, first, I'd like to say that when I talk with attorneys about time management and getting things done... I usually am told that the person is procrastinating or the person will self-describe themselves as procrastinating. And one of the things that you talked about is that you don't really believe in procrastination. What do you mean by that? You know, Rodney, when I say I don't believe in procrastination, I'm doing that to be provocative, to get people to listen to the next thing I'm going to say, which is there's no such thing as procrastination. There's just choosing and choosing again and choosing again. Because I think the word procrastination is a conversation ender. You know, why is David or why is Rodney not working on the things that we know are important to him? He's procrastinating. So it ends the conversation. I would rather have a curious attitude to say, you know, David's a smart guy. He knows what he wants in life. He knows what activities will bring him those rewards. Why is he downloading music? Or why is Rodney checking uh, ESPN scores instead of doing his billing? The answer is not 
he's procrastinating. He's because it's because the things that we do are pleasant or fun or they lead to some reward. So there's just choosing and choosing again. Whether I'm doing my billing, which could lead to financial reward, or whether I'm checking sports scores, which is immediately rewarding and fun. If you want to come in and support me, Rodney, if you come into my office and you see me wasting time, instead of telling me I'm procrastinating, I'd appreciate it if you said, David, that looks like fun, whatever you're doing there. Also remember, you told me that you wanted to get this paper written. You told me you had a deadline on that. There's a turnaround on your billing. So really what's interesting about that is so you're you're focused on the choices people are making. And and it strikes me that when we when we, when you talk about those choices, I mean how it how it strikes me is that often people aren't making those choices necessarily very um uh, with a great deal of consciousness, I guess. Uh they just they kind of roll into uh these acts of uh, immediate fulfillment. I, I mean, is that your experience or am I uh kind of is my viewpoint on that off? Absolutely. I think you're right. Nobody intends to shoot himself or to shoot herself in the foot with their behaviors. In fact, there's a group at Harvard that's uh, issued a an iPad, uh, an iPhone application, basically checking in randomly throughout the day, asking people, on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you right now? And are you working on something that's on task or off task? What they found is that people are off task almost half the time. And when people are on task, they're happier. So I don't think anybody intends to drift off task. It's just that we are surrounded by things that are interesting and fun and compelling in the short term, and we're pulled off task. We have to get up early in the morning and get crystal clear what is the most important value task that I can perform today. And we have to commit to that because once we get outside the house, there's a million and one distractions running. Well, and that's interesting because, I mean, one of the things to me that you were, you were saying there was, okay, you know, we're, we're doing these things that are fun, exciting, maybe checking ESPN scorecard or, you know, we download some game or something, we're wasting some time on that or uh, maybe chit-chatting. But you also said that when you check in and people are on tasks, they're happier. Right. What's, what's the difference? I mean, why does that make us happier even though we're doing maybe something that's more fun? Honestly, people don't really know what makes them happy. We often imagine that a vacation on the beach would be enormously more happy, more satisfying than a week of work activity. But in fact, people are much more likely to say that they are engaged and having a good time when they're working on something that's important. So I've got to decide, if I'm taking a vacation, I've got to be crystal clear what's important about this. What experiences do I want to have? Relaxation, sleeping late, snorkeling, seeing friends. And if I'm working, I've got to be crystal clear because I can spend an hour and a half setting up my Twitter feed, which is fun, or I can spend half an hour doing billing, which is less fun, but may have a bigger payoff and at some level is more satisfying. The question is determining saliency, and saliency is a word that researchers use I mean, what's in it for me? If I'm doing something that's hard or boring, like filling out tax paperwork, and you come in and you say, David, you're putting numbers in boxes. Are you having fun? I'll say, no. Then why are you doing it? I'm doing this because I'll get a refund check. Or if I don't do it, there'll be a penalty. I've got to ask, why am I doing it? That's what I mean by saliency. And you you also talked about you know getting up in the morning, and I, I assume that this is related to the saliency question is getting up in the morning and figuring out what our important tasks are for today. Yeah. Um, 
and and, and it, that sounds like a really uh, good um, exercise to go through to help people keep on task throughout the day. Uh, and now, is that something that's related to your work that you've done with uh, professionals that have ADHD, or is this a different type of uh, uh, tool? Here's the thing. If you don't have ADHD, I've often joked, feel free to stay in a loveless marriage and a mind-numbing job until you're 65. But if you have ADHD, you can't afford to live like that. You absolutely have to make sure that every commitment and uh, obligation and relationship is connected to your core values. And I would suggest we have a lot to learn from people who manage ADHD day-to-day. And that is, I think really all of us should be looking at our calendars asking, which of these activities are the most meaningful, as I, de- as I define meaning, which have the biggest payoff, the biggest uh, satisfaction for me, and then committing to those, treating them as appointments. And I might ask your listeners right now, just if you have a piece of paper and a pen, what are the three things that are banging around your head? The three things that kind of pop up when I'm trying to talk to you or you're trying to watch TV. For example, the ice has melted. I need to check the gutters. Or I want to learn French because I got a trip at the end of the summer. Or I want to check on a a better uh, rate for malpractice insurance. These are things banging around my head. I would say put them on a piece of paper, do a brain dump, knowing that in the morning you're going to look over that to-do list and ask, which of these can I commit to today? I would also ask your listeners, what's the one thing you know you need to do that would make the biggest difference in your personal life, your health, your relationships, your practice? Most people can answer that question. It's the one thing that they know they should do. They haven't done it because they don't think they can or they don't have the resources or the social support. or the, it's not, you know, They're not courageous enough right now. I would say add that to your to-do list, meaning I will do this. When I have the resources and the courage and the time, I'm going to do this. Now, that's a great start for a to-do list. That's three or four items. And now for the rest of the day, you're off the hook. You don't have to solve those problems because you're going to get up tomorrow with a cup of coffee and you're going to inquire deeply. What am I really here to do and be and have? What do I want for myself? And let me look at my to-do list. Now, which of these activities can I work into my schedule today? I might have one free hour today. And so the question is, how do I spend that free hour? Because if I don't schedule it with something important, something else will happen. You know, I walk into your office, Rodney, with a YouTube video on my phone with a cat flushing a toilet, and you and I will watch it two or three times, and there goes your hour. So that's what I mean by getting up early and scheduling it. And and it sounds as if um, this can be, when you're talking about like scheduling these activities, this can be both professional and personal. I mean, do you is it your recommendation that people deal with both of those or they have different schedules or different to-do lists for professional versus uh, personal or how, how do you, how do people balance that? That's a great question. And my answer is one to-do list, one calendar, not a calendar at home and a calendar in your car and a calendar by the bed, just one calendar where you manage everything. And a calendar is not to make sure you get to the veterinarian's office on time. I mean, it's for that. But a calendar is to make sure that you're living the life that you want to lead. Some of your listeners right now are at a point in their practice where they need to give 60 or 70 hours a week to their practice. Some of your listeners may be at a different point when they're doing about 20 hours uh, of work-related activity, and they're spending another 15 golfing and another 10 connecting with family members. And I can't tell you which 
is the right way. Your listener has to describe and define what's exactly right for me. But then I would say, commit it. If you're working 70 hours a week and the best you can do is two hours at the gym, then book it and treat it as an appointment. Tuesday, 9 p.m., I hit the gym. So in other words, you use your calendar for depositions, you use your calendar for appointments, and also appointments with yourself. Maybe some of your listeners are going to travel internationally, they want to learn a language. Can they schedule 30 minutes a week somewhere in their schedule to learn a language and put it on the calendar? So if somebody comes into your office and says, hey, Dave, I've got a great YouTube video, let's watch it. I'll say, actually, I've got an appointment. It's with myself to get to the gym or to learn French. But and how do you I mean, it seems to me like also like uh, taking care of yourself and taking care of you know, personal relationships and stuff. And it, people often will put that behind, uh, you know, uh, work or professional uh, time, even if they're doing that, maybe spending the time inefficiently at work, but they will postpone that ability to take care of themselves at that time. To How do you get people to like give that enough importance that they'll actually put it on their calendar and follow through. You know, if I'm working with you or I'm having a conversation with you in person, I would just look at you in the eye and just maintain eye contact and just tell you directly, you've got to take care of yourself. Unless you have, you know, the majority of your income coming in from residual income, real estates or royalties or whatever, if you're like most of us, you're getting paid in exchange for your time and your expertise. So you've got to be sharp. You've got to be fresh. You put a lot of time up front in your career, your training, your education, building your career so that you could become somebody whose time and advice is valuable. Now, at this point in your training, let's say you're 30 or 50 or older, at this point, you've done the first part. You laid the foundation. You have to take care of the house. You have to take care of this resource because if you can't exchange your time for income because you're ill, then that's going to affect the bottom line. So if somebody's willing to engage with me in a conversation about money, I'll try to have the conversation there. If that's really not a driving factor for them, I'll talk about maintaining your body because it's a resource for your family or it's a resource, a resource for your hobbies. When somebody says, I'm looking forward to retirement so I can enjoy deep sea diving, that assumes that you're going to have the good health and the mental resources to enjoy that once you get there. So make sure that you do. That means... Watch your relationships. Make sure they're positive and resources for you. Make sure you're watching your physical activity, your nutrition. You know, you know what's good for you. You know what supports your health and your your cognitive functioning. You know, one of the things that I've also, I mean, besides taking care of yourself, one of the things I know that you suggest that people uh, do, uh, especially I think your ADHD clients, is to hire a very organized assistant. Yeah. Uh, you know, why do you make that suggestion? And, and then let me just throw in a secondary question here while we're on the topic is, if they can't you know, afford that assistant, what do you suggest? All right. I have two recommendations for any adult who's living with attention deficit hyperactivity or anything like that, distractibility. Like, even if you haven't been diagnosed, if you're a person who's been described as scattered, disorganized, you interrupt others in conversation, you have trouble keeping up with papers, if you're that kind of person, my best two pieces of advice would be, number one, marry well, and number two, get a crackerjack assistant at work. When I say marry well, what I mean is establish a relationship with someone who does this executive stuff. They think about paperwork and billing and details to free you up to be the idea guy or the idea woman. 
so that the other details are being taken care of. The second piece of advice, get a Cracker Jack assistant, means the expectation that good attorney skills show up in the same human being as good clerical skills is incredibly unrealistic. Why would somebody who makes a good counselor at law be the same person who does good billing and organization and filing? So the idea that I'm going to do my own clerical work is not realistic. And it may not be the best use of my time, and it may not, it may not be the, the piece of my work that's the most fun and engaging for me. When somebody says, I can't afford to hire an assistant, I would say, I bet you can't afford not to. I bet that an assistant will pay for himself or herself and more than that within the first few months. However, if you're an employee and you're not in this position to hire your own assistant, I would say negotiate with your supervisor. Look, I'll carry the beeper one extra weekend a month if you'll give me five hours of administrative support. Or, you know, I'll plan the annual charity event if you'll give me regular administrative support. What would it take to move some of the details off of your plate so that you can do what you do well? When I've worked with attorneys who have features of ADHD, rarely do they tell me that their problems are thinking about law or their problems are, um, you know, making a case for a judge. They tell me their problems are faxing things the right side up, filing things in a place they can find them later, uh, keeping up with their billables so that when they submit a bill, it's an accurate reflection of how much time they put in on the project. Those are the things that people have trouble with, and those aren't the most intellectually demanding pieces of your work, but they are the pieces that reflect in your income. One other piece, if, if you really can't afford any of my recommendations, I might say go to Elance, E-L-A-N-C. Elance is a website where people offer their services for real short-term projects like building a website, filling out a database. There's also a couple of resources, getfriday.com and asksunday.com, where you can hire a virtual assistant. You can have phone calls picked up by the assistant. You can have certain emails. Or, you know, there's things you can do that you can outsource for a more reasonable cost than a, a physical assistant. And some of those uh, are basically hourly rates. So, I mean, they can be very uh, affordable to even those people who maybe not don't have the best cash flow. Right. Um, now, this is, I, I'm going to go a little bit backwards here, but one of the things that uh, really uh, caught my ear was when you were describing talking to attorneys or professionals about, you know, what, uh, recognizing what was the primary um, roadblock to kind of further success or within their practice and trying to deal with that. And my one of my experiences with dealing with attorneys and kind of attorney culture is that attorneys seem to think that every client is a good client. And what my experience is when I go into these practices, especially the ones that reflect that, is they often have their their they're over they feel overworked, they have more administrative work than they need because they're trying to uh, service too many bad clients, clients that aren't paying for their time, uh, uh, you know, or are just high demand. Uh, yet the payoff, the the value of the client is low to the attorney. But it's very hard for the attorneys to seem to recognize that as a roadblock. What would you suggest? Like how to go? Is there a mechanism for trying to get attorneys to recognize these real fundamental roadblocks to further success? Yep, I would start with um, a private conversation, and this this may not be the role of me, the neuropsychologist. This may be somebody yeah. else who's supporting the attorney. But the conversation would be. What income do you need to meet your obligations? You've got a home, 
you might have an office condo that you're, you're paying a mortgage on, you might have staff. Bottom line, what income do you need? And then add a little cushion for the lifestyle that you want. Come up with a number. Divide that number by your hourly rate, and that comes up with your billable hours that you have to have. And then you're going to remind your attorney client that there's the 80-20 rule. For most of us, 20% of your professional efforts lead to 80% of your results. So if you look at your caseload, that's probably 20% of your clients that are paying 80% of your bill, which means that 80% of your clients are only bringing you 20% of the income. Notice I haven't used words like dead weight or any of that stuff because these aren't, this isn't dead weight. These are people with legal needs that they need counseling. And I work with clients. I'll be honest. A lot of my ADHD clients have big hearts. They're just good people and they want to do pro bono work. And what they'll do is they'll say, okay, after the fact, my un, my uncollectibles, that's my pro bono work. And that's not the way I recommend you do pro bono. You go into a pro, pro bono situation asking, how many hours of pro bono work can I do per week, given my current needs? And then you commit to that. And you take a case knowing this is pro bono or this is a reduced rate case. Not after the fact, because somebody didn't pay. And then you just make difficult decisions of I'm going to be doing five or ten hours a week of pro bono work. The rest needs to be work that I collect on. So it's simply it's a, it's a matter of trying to get them to recognize what they're doing uh, or the choices they're making. Back to right. your initial statement, the choices they're making. Um, uh, sorry, uh, Dr. Noel, but it's time for us to take a quick break and sure. a word from our sponsor, enteryourhours.com, firm manager by LexisNexis and SunTrust. When we return more with Dr. Noel. EnterYourHours.com is the online legal billing software solution that's taken the legal community by storm. EnterYourHours.com has all the advanced features you expect from your legal billing system. But for those of you who just want a simple way to bill, EnterYourHours.com has you covered too. The software is ready to go with easy-to-follow online help, and the default settings will have you sending professional invoices in minutes. Try EnterYourHours.com's fully functional free trial. There's no credit card required and absolutely no obligation. And don't forget that Legal Talk Network customers receive a 10% lifetime discount by typing Legal Talk in the promotional code field when you sign up. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, Visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Has the recent economic climate affected the financial goals of your firm? Get back on track with help from SunTrust. Our private wealth management legal specialty group works solely with lawyers and their firms to deliver unique solutions designed for the legal community. 
SunTrust advisors give you sound guidance on everything from maximizing cash flow and wading through benefits planning to understanding how to retain attorneys and staff. Learn more at www.suntrust.com legal. SunTrust. Live solid. Bank solid. SunTrust Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dowd, joined by Dr. David Knoll, clinical neuropsychologist, discussing strategies for getting things done. Uh, Dr. Knoll, I, I, we kind of skipped over this a little earlier, but and I did, because I don't want to really focus that much on, on the ADHD, but can you tell our listeners, I mean, when, you, when I say ADHD, what does that mean? And then kind of more broadly, like how this... Uh, if if we haven't covered it, but maybe you can clarify the strategies that you think are successful with ADHD clients, how they can translate across the board. Sure. Um, ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. comes in two basic varieties, the inattentive type and the hyperactive type. When I say neurodevelopmental, that means it has childhood onset, and it can go undiagnosed for decades, but we assume that it started in childhood. If you're inattentive and distractible and unfocused because you had a snowboard injury, that's probably not ADHD. That's probably concussion. Or you've been unfocused and distracted after you went hiking in Connecticut and developed a bullseye rash on your leg. That's not ADHD. That might be Lyme disease. So ADHD is a specific developmental way of being unfocused and distractible. And at least half of children with ADHD will still meet criteria for the disorder as an adult. And once you're out of school... ADHD has its impact on relationships and work activity. That's what you and I have been focused on. Even if my client hasn't been formally diagnosed with ADHD, sometimes she and I will identify, you know, there's some themes here. Across your work history and your school history, you've been unfocused. You struggle with deadlines. You've been distractible, forgetful. So we will implement some strategies. And that's what you asked about, the practical stuff. I would start with a question about what's going right I mean, you and I are talking about a group of people who made it through high school, made it through college, made it through law school, passed a bar exam. I mean, these are people who've jumped through lots of hoops. We've got to start with giving ourselves a big pat on the back. These are successful people. The fact that you have made it this far, however, doesn't mean that you don't have ADHD. Because ADHD can happen to bright people as well as average people. And when you're an adult and you're trying to manage a professional practice, um, I want to identify what's going right about your practice before I jump in to give you advice because everybody has a specific way of getting things done right and everybody has a specific way of not honoring deadlines, not getting things turned in on time. And I want to find out exactly how my client is not honoring his own deadlines. But some general strategies I'm going to recommend right off the bat are the single inbox. That means one place in your office for miscellaneous papers you don't know what to do with. You pick up a piece of paper, you look at it for three seconds, you either trash it or you file it, or if you can't determine what needs to happen next, put it in the inbox. Move on to the next piece of paper. What you don't want is four or five or 15 piles around your office with different themes and organizational criteria. Just one inbox. Now, if you do that, you have to build in an hour every week on your schedule to commit to working through the inbox. So you go back to the inbox with a specific time that you're going to sit down and work through it and make decisions about the paperwork. A while ago, you and I talked about having a single to-do list. That's also an inbox. I said, right now, the three things banging around your head that you need to get done, do a dump. Put them on the inbox. Two things you'd like to do, 
get a better spouse, learn to speak Russian. Put those on the invites. It's one to-do list. You don't make a daily to-do list because people who are disorganized will simply carry those things forward. They won't get them done. So just have one to-do list, and on a daily basis, you're going to move items from your to-do list to your calendar. As time permits, you decide what's important. I'm going to learn Russian today. At 4 o'clock for 30 minutes, I'm going to go online and study Russian, for example. Some other practical suggestions are using a tickler file. If you don't already do this, it's the lowest of low-tech recommendations. Get a bunch of manila folders, label them 1 through 31 in January through December. So if you get a flyer for a great workshop that LOMAP is organizing for July, you stick it in July. I think you said earlier you have something coming up in May. Put it in the tickler on the specific date in the current month. And then when you come in your office, you look in your tickler to see what's going on for the day. Another great strategy is what ADHD coaches call the body double. The idea is simply having somebody with you, present with you, increases your efficiency. If I know, Rodney, that you really need to get your billing done, and I agree to come hang out with you tomorrow night while you get your billing done, you're much less likely to get distracted and go online and read articles because I'm standing right there with you. In fact, I work with an attorney who has some of these challenges, and he says he sometimes hires a high school student to help him with filing, and she doesn't have a lot of you know, paralegal-type um, skills, but sometimes just having her there in the office, knowing that he's paying her by the hour to be there, makes him more efficient. In fact, if she just stood there and texted her boyfriend while he worked, it would actually make him more efficient. So the body double is a great strategy. Oh, that's really interesting. So uh, those, just I guess, I mean, uh, the, the coaching sounds really effective for attorneys with ADHD. And I guess, I mean, generally, how do people go about finding uh, both ADHD coaches and or just like if I'm an attorney and I, you know, don't feel I, I haven't been diagnosed with ADHD, but I definitely want to get better with, you know, getting things done and, and making things happen in my office, more time efficient stuff. Are there coaches for that also? Absolutely. And if you're looking for physical contact with a coach, you you live in a great area because there's a lot of great coaches right in the Boston area. I met some of them last weekend at the ADHD Coaches Organization uh, annual meeting in Chicago. So if you're looking for a coach, there's a couple of organizations that credential coaches. You could Google the name of your town and then the term ADHD coach, see who's there, or go to ADHDcoaches.org. So ACO is an organization that credentials coaches, and drop-down menu will say find a coach in your area. And when I talked to many coaches at the convention, they kept reminding me, they said, David, remember this doesn't have to be face-to-face. This could be over the phone or by Skype. So you could find a great coach in Phoenix or Los Angeles, and if you really felt like you clicked or if that coach had real expertise working with attorneys with these challenges, you might have a weekly Skype meeting where the, a coach would hold you accountable, give you strategies, and solve problems. And is that what we're mostly looking at, like a, a weekly meeting? Is that what uh, uh, coaches find most effective? That'd be the standard. You start yeah. with an o- overview session determining what's going well, and where you're getting hung up, and the coach will give you specific recommendations that follow in on a week-to-week basis to see if you're following through. If not, they don't judge you. They don't yell. They simply say, great, that's more data. Let's talk about how you said you would do this thing, and it didn't happen because you got a specific way of not following through, just like, like you got a specific way of following through. And then they try to work with you to improve your performance next week. And so what, and what if I don't have ADHD? 
D coach, but I want a personal coach, someone to help me, you know, organize and just basically hold me accountable. Uh, are are there different organizations that I should be looking for for that, or is that something you're familiar with? You know, there's all sorts of organizational coaches and life coaches. If you've ever watched the TV show Hoarders, where people have compulsive disorder and they're hoarding, the first person that walks in the house is a clinical psychologist, and she's there for treatment. The second person that walks in the house with the Rubbermaid containers and says, okay, let's put on the gloves and pick this stuff up, that's the organizational coach, and that might be the kind of person that your clients will be looking for, somebody who is familiar with the challenges your clients are facing as busy attorneys who have disorganization, and somebody who could meet with me in person on the phone or by Skype. Oh, that's that's that. I would think that'd be really helpful for some some attorneys. Let me ask you one last question here before we wrap up this edition. But you know, every once in a while, I read a a story or even talk to an attorney who has just failed to take action and has simply ignored uh, matters, which will you know obviously get them in trouble. You know, uh, it's a a case that. They kind of know needs to be dealt with, but they just put it on the radiator and never get back to it. And then the statute of limitations run, or they get a you know a, a notice from a disciplinary body of their state, and they can't act on it. Can you tell us like why you, you at least in your perception they do that, and some tactics that can be used to prevent that kind of inaction in the in the you know. Um, with with danger lurking so evidently? I would say that they need to do what good executive, good organizational folks are doing every moment. Every moment, good executives are asking two questions. Number one, am I enjoying this? Number two, is this what I'm here to do? What's tempting is simply to ask the first question, am I having fun? Am I enjoying this? But there's a second question, is this what I'm here to do? There are times when I'm doing things like talking to you over a podcast and I'm having fun and I feel like this is an important piece of work for me right now. So right now, Rodney, I'm answering yes, yes. I'm having fun and I'm on task. There's time when I'm watching my, you know, I'm at home watching My Name is Earl and then I watch a second episode and a third and I say, am I having fun? Yes. Is this goal relevant? Is this what I'm here to do? Probably not. Or there may be times when you're hanging out with in-laws that you don't really like or you're waiting in line at the RMV and you say, I'm not having fun, but this is important. It's important to have a driver's license and to spend time with your partners, friends, and families, even if maybe they're not on your short list of favorite people. So it's important to ask, am I enjoying this? What do I really love? And what's really important? And I'm going to need support around those things that are important, but not fun. That's when I might need the body double, the organizational coach, or even just informally. You know, you and I as colleagues might agree, I'm going to support you when you're doing your most difficult part of the week you're going to support me. You might text me and say, David, how you doing? Or I might pop in your office and say, Rodney, it looks like you're checking ESPN again. I'm just here to remind you there's no such thing as procrastination. There's just choosing, choosing again, and choosing again. Well, that's great. And that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Special thanks to you, our guest, Dr. Noel, and always a pleasure to listen to you and get these great, helpful tips. Could you tell our listeners where to go if they want to find out more about you? Sure. Follow my tweets at David Nowell. Go to my website at drnowell.com. That's www.drnowell.com, N-O-W-E-L-L. 
Well, that's it for this edition of the Unbillable Hour. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Please feel free to continue this discussion on Twitter, where you'll find me at, at Rodney Dow. I hope you'll join us again on the next Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast with Attorney Rodney Dowell. Join us again for the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.